Faith, what is a fathom? A fathom is a unit of length equal to six feet or 1.8 meters for our international listeners. Fathoms are used to calculate the depth of water. So 20,000 fathoms is how many feet? A lot. It's also where the beasts live. I can hardly fathom that. Welcome to the Late Night Fright, right here on Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan, and with me as always is my unfathomable co-host, Faith. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. Tonight, we begin Big Monster Month here on the program. But before we get to the creatures, we would like to welcome each and every one of you, be you a spook, specter, astral traveler from Dimension X, or a rampage and murder and some bitch and creature awakened from a million years slumber. Welcome. We are so glad you have chosen to spend a little time with us here in Cozy Corner. Faith, we have four movies picked out for Big Monster Month. Please remind our listeners what those movies are. We have 1953's The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, 1957's 20 Million Miles to Earth, 1993's Jurassic Park, and 2016's Shin Godzilla. We are picking these movies at random as we go along this month, and it is very fitting that tonight's film is first up. This is a movie that helped set the template for the big monster movies that followed, was the first film that the legendary Ray Harryhausen was in full charge of the special effects on, and is the first film to feature an atomic creature. The success of tonight's film led directly to the creation of 1954's Godzilla, and I would say we're all better people having Godzilla in the world. Faith, what movie is on the slab for Postmortem tonight? From director Eugene Lurie, we have 1953's The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, starring Paul Christian, Paula Raymond, Cecil Kellaway, and Kenneth Toby. The movie was inspired by a Ray Bradbury short story that appeared in the Saturday Evening Post about a dinosaur that attacks a lighthouse. That scene appears in tonight's film, along with some rampaging that should seem familiar to everyone who has seen a Godzilla film. Tonight, we will be scoring the beast from 20,000 fathoms in the category of overall film and in lieu of stars, we will be awarding it Magical Atomic Fire Breath. In honor of Godzilla. You got it. We're going to take a short pause for a coffee cause. Stay tuned to find out how you can help support the show and also for the booger of the week. We haven't done that in a while. We haven't. My uncle, who got me into horror films, calls the creatures boogers. And that's what we call them here on the Late Night Fright. Hope it's a good pick. Har, har. I am Dan. And I am Faith. You are listening to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. We will see you on the other side. It's 12.01, The Witching Hour. You're listening to WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. You are cleared for departure. Your destination, the late night fright. Commencing transmission in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Making the late night fright is a lot of fun, isn't it, Faith? 
What with all of the slashers, the creatures, the thrills, the chills, the kaiju. Gesundheit. Thank you. There's now a way for you to support the show. You can donate directly to the show to help us offset some of our operational costs. That would be our hosting fees and when we occasionally need to run a movie. If you go to our official site, thelatenightfright.podbean.com, and click the Become a Patron tab in the top right-hand corner, you'll find everything you need to help the Late Night Fright stay spooky. That's a lot of information. You're not expecting our awesome listeners to go back and write all that down, are you? Nope. If you check the show description, you'll find a link right to the site. Also, if the spirits move you, leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. That is always appreciated. You're doing the most important thing you can right now by listening. We appreciate you tuning in every week. We know you have a lot of options as to how you spend your time, and we are flattered you choose to spend a little time with us here in Cozy Corner. You can also email us at latenightfrightpodcast at gmail.com. That link is also in the show description. That's almost too easy. That's what she said. Thank you for tuning in and thank you for your continued support. Stay spooky. Tonight's Booger of the Week was inspired to get in the special effects by the granddaddy of all creature features, 1933's classic King Kong. It was at the urging of that film's model animator, the pioneering Willis O'Brien, that Ray Harryhausen, while still in high school, took evening classes at USC's School of Cinematic Arts in art direction, photography, and editing. In 1947, Ray Harryhausen began work as an assistant animator alongside his mentor O'Brien on the film Mighty Joe Young. His first film as head special effects coordinator was 1953's The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, the film on which he invented the technique he called Dynamation, in which he would split the foreground and background of pre-shot live-action footage into two separate images into which he would layer animation or stop-motion models. Other films in Harryhausen's filmography include 1955's It Came From Beneath the Sea, 1956's Earth vs. the Flying Saucers, 1957's 20 Million Miles to Earth, 1958's The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, 1963's Jason and the Argonauts, and 1981's Clash of the Titans. Among his friends were legendary science fiction author Ray Bradbury and the publisher of Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine, Forrest J. Ackerman. His influence on cinema can still be felt today with luminaries such as George Lucas, James Cameron and John Landis all citing him as a major inspiration. For putting the creature in the creature features, Ray Harryhausen is our Booger of the Week. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. All right, before we get into it, quick coffee check. What are you drinking tonight, Faith? I've got me a nice cup of Wide Awake's House Blend, and it's, you know, fitting. It's in my, well, your Godzilla cup that I've bought you. I mean, That's become your official studio cup. Big monsters, you know. This beautiful rendition of the 1954 Godzilla poster. On this, on this great cup from Society6, and she got this for my birthday, and she uses it here in the studio. So there you go. It's very fitting. Very fitting for tonight, though. Right. That is a great blend. I am also drinking a Wide Awake blend, my favorite, the Seattle-style dark. 
Yours has a pretty little kitty cat <laughs> on the box. I have a cute little owl. And you know what? That owl doesn't give a hoot. Uh, har har. Har har. <laughs> you ready? I'm ready. Here we go. Released on June 13th, 1953, The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms follows the adventures of physicist Thomas Nesbitt, played by Paul Christian. Nesbitt is a member of Operation Experiment. What a great name. I know. Operation <laughs> Experiment. A nuclear bomb test taking place in the Arctic Circle. Did anyone check with Santa? No, Faith. No one checked with Santa. Because if they had, I'm sure he would have told them that way underneath the ice was a slumbering, slumbering. I was slumbering on that one. <laughs> Redosaurus. What's a Redosaurus, you ask? A dinosaur with a taste for murder? Well done. Nesbitt is the only one to see the Redosaurus after it awakens from its slumber. And guess what, Faith? No one believes him. Dun, dun, dun. He finds allies in Lee Hunter and Dr. Thurgood Elson, played by Paula Raymond and Cecil Kellaway, respectively. Ships in the Atlantic start getting attacked by the Redosaurus. Dun, dun, dun. Finally, the creature faces off against the might of the U.S. military on Coney Island, where he meets his end at the hands of Lee Van Cleef. You know him, don't you, Faith? He was an escape from New York. Call me Snake. And a potent radioactive isotope pellet. This film did indeed lead to the first Godzilla film and is the first atomic creature feature. It currently holds a 95% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes, but who cares about them? What did you think of The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, Faith? I liked it. I liked it a lot. I liked that, um, you know, it was kind of the the inspiration to get Godzilla off the ground. And I can I can definitely see why they were inspired to go ahead and do it. Stuff like this movie, you know, it's, it's a pretty good movie. I had some problems with it. It's but a pretty good movie. I got some problems with it, too. I got some problems. So before we get into it, just a general overview. I love the aesthetic of 1950s science fiction movies, oh, absolutely. especially the black and white ones. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if they're cheaply made or have a budget like this one does. And this one had a little bit of a budget. You can tell it's a it's a cut above the rest right. from what you would normally see. There's something really magical about black and white movies. And there's something almost like more haunting and creepier. I mean, I know it's not like, you know, spooky ghost movies, but just anything with with the creatures in black and white is That's so great. That's a very interesting point that you just made. And something occurred to me as you were making that point. You take the color out of it and most of us, I mean there are a few exceptions, you know, some people are colorblind, but most of us see color by taking the color out of it, it almost in a way adds more life to it. It does, and it also I feel like it could almost add another layer of uncomfortableness because it's not something you're used to. Correct. If you're not colorblind. So it almost makes it more uneasy because you're having to adjust to something you're not really technically used to seeing. I think images pop more. I think so. In black and white. I think so. Uh, The old Universal movies especially. Mm -hmm. Especially the old Universal movies that have been remastered now digitally. Mm Mm-hmm. Like the Karloff films, the Frankenstein films. I remember they they just look absolutely fantastic. Before we get too far into it, I am going to apologize in advance if my voice cracks a little bit tonight. We are in the midst of allergy season here and it is 
it has been a lot of fun. Uh, sometimes you don't have any control no. over that. That's a lot of fun. So it's my apologies in like advance. Like 1,200 degrees and, you know, it's making everything come out more. I feel like. It's also, yeah, it's also like living in Death Valley. <laughs> Pretty much. So uh, there's something just really magical about black and white films. And for some reason, they both make me want to smoke and drink coffee. So <laughs> one of which I quit last year and one I'm doing right now. So, <laughs> All right. So I think the movie is amazing for a variety of reasons. Let me run down these reasons. Let me see what you think about okay. this. It sets the monster movie template for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. We'll get into that in a second. <laughs> this movie also really launches the career of Ray Harryhausen. That's Mm -hmm. really important. This is a really important figure in cinema. We gave you the introduction there on him with the booger of the week. And he is. He's the guy who put the creature in the creature feature. This guy was a step above and a step uh, ahead of everybody. And the movies that you love today, the special effects (laughs) are... Yeah, yeah. He made people dream. I mean, especially when you see the special effects revolution in the late seventies brought in by star Wars. And then, you know, all the way then going through Mm -hmm. the eighties and those great practical effects of the eighties and the stuff that ILM was doing, but the stuff that Stan Winston was doing like with predator and things like that, man, Ray Harryhausen is an influence on all of that. He, he was the guy who was influencing all these monster kids. Mm -hmm. So we have a score here. That's also really good. The score sets the tone for the giant monster movies. And as we've said, without this, we might not have Godzilla. Also without King Kong from 1933 and nuclear paranoia, we might not have this movie either. So it's kind of sitting right there between King Kong and right there between Godzilla. Mm -hmm. Yes. So we talked about horror movies and horror movies at the time in which they're released and the way that horror movies reflect our fears. And this is the first one to incorporate the bomb. How so, interesting. <laughs> how interesting. Right. Isn't it? So one of my problems with the movie, and let me see, because you said you had a few problems with it. Mm-hmm. It starts off so intriguingly. And it starts off very much in the vein of Howard Hawks, the thing from another world, or even then it reminds me of the thing, you know, because the thing is famously in the ice. I mean, when you think of horror movies in the ice, what do you think of? I mean, I think of the thing, the thing, right? <laughs> so this thing is taking place in the ice up in the North pole. They're doing atomic test operation experiment. What a, what a, what a name. I know. What right. a name. How long do you think it took them to come up with that? I don't know. Do you think they had committee <laughs> meetings on it? All right. We're doing an experiment. And it's an operation. What should we call it? Oh. Let's hmm. call it Operation Experiment. Yeah, that, that'll do it. That'll do it. That'll work. So they're up there and they, they wake this thing up from a million year slumber with the atomic bomb. But that's really all we get of of that. You know, there's yeah. no there's no kind of follow through on that. Mm-hmm. I know they say the creature has radioactive blood at one point towards the end. So I feel like there's a lot of really great ideas in this thing that don't quite all come together in that cohesive mm -hmm. hole. So with that said, this movie does inspire Godzilla to go for it with the bomb. And I think that that movie does a better job with the atomic 
thing because exactly because of where it's set Mm -hmm. okay and it's Mm -hmm. a little more prevalent Mm -hmm. over there although i would say that the threat of the nuclear bomb is something i think we should all be wary of (laughs) maybe just a little (laughs) i don't think that that is you know uh just in japan Mm -hmm. you know yeah but because of the history there though uh, i I think that the the atomic through line plays better but they were inspired to go for it because of this movie. So there you go, chicken and egg. Yeah. But I, I do feel that Godzilla is is a better movie. I feel because Godzilla has a has a better emotional content. Absolutely. That, I think that's what this. I think that's what was getting me with this movie. It, the story kind of didn't pull me in as much as Godzilla did. Um, it it pushes and pulls. It does. It, it, it's like it grabs you, and then it, you're just you kind of lose it for a second. It kind of yeah. you know it speeds up, kind of kind of pulls back. And I feel like that was having that problem where I was almost wanting to zone out. I didn't, but you're kind of like okay, like let's right. let's move. You know, like let's let's. Right. I wanted some more, and and I think that I liked the characters for the most part, but they still they didn't they didn't pull me in. I have I have that written down down here too mm-hmm. I, w- I do want to get to that because that's part of that monster movie template mm-hmm. that i want to talk about uh before we get to that uh the atomic through line doesn't play well for me and uh it just right. i think it gets lost in the shuffle a little mm-hmm. bit but the through line that i do like in this movie is that of the lone sane man in a world that doesn't believe him and i think that story plays mm-hmm. out very well throughout Agreed. this movie and in a lot of ways, I'm, I'm preface this with we're not going down this road, but uh, in a lot of ways, it reminds me of the year 2020 into our current times. We are uh, in July recording this, 2021, where you have some people who are seeing things for how they really are, mm-hmm. and you have other people who are brainwashed for that lack was, of a I better was word. Say brainwashed. brainwashed for lack of a better word, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea of the lone sane man. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love I that. I thought that was very well done. And I thought Paul Christian did a great job mm-hmm. of playing that. Yeah. You know, he's not exactly, you know, mad eyed with it. You know, he's, right. he's somewhat rational, mm-hmm. but uh, it's a good performance. It's yeah. a, it's a really good performance. Now let's get to it. Cause you said, cause we do, we see the creature. Mm-hmm. We're introduced to the creature, and I think very artfully introduced to the creature. And you know what that felt like, what it reminded me of? Did you see the 2014 Godzilla, the one with Brian Cranston? Did you see? No, I think I had started to, and I didn't finish it. Because for the first hour, hour and a half of that movie, you're seeing Godzilla that way. You're not really seeing him. You're fully seeing him. You're seeing him from a distance you're getting impressions of Godzilla and I was watching that and I love the way they introduce this retosaurus mm-hmm. uh, I do too it, it, it uh, you get a hint of what it is and you get a hint of what it can do and I do kind of like that they pull it from the story a little bit and they focus okay so here's where then the temp- the monster movie template for better or for worse because then you go and you focus on human characters that you kind of really don't care about too mm-hmm. too terribly much right and think about all of the movies that we've done with like monsters, even just horror movies in general, where when you're not spending time with the killer and you're with like the quote unquote human characters, sometimes they're, they're really boring. The movies that are really good, mm-hmm. 
the great ones you enjoy spending time with the human characters. We have one picked out for this month. Jurassic Park is a movie where you like spending time yes. with the human characters. Yes. Godzilla, uh, the original Godzilla yeah. was a was a movie that we liked spending time Absolutely. with the human characters. So that that's a problem sometimes in these movies, yes. you know, and think about the disaster movies. You're sitting like, I'm thinking about something like Independence Day. Now I like Independence Day. I like the characters in Independence Day. It's a big, dumb, stupid movie and I make no apologies for <laughs> loving it, but, but there's disaster, but I do like spending time with the, mm-hmm. with the human character. So it's a, it's a crapshoot sometimes with yeah, these kind of I've, things. I feel like these characters are kind of just sprinkled in. They like, they, they are here because they have to be, but I never right. fully get to know them. I don't it's latch on the edge. I don't latch on to them. It's so on the edge of spending time with them and hanging out uh-huh. a little bit. But then when we're starting to see them, I'm honestly I'm like, okay, let's I'm ready to see I'm ready to see the Redosaurus. Like I need right. some more of him. Like let's right. let's go. Right. <laughs> uh and that could have been fixed a little bit with editing. Yeah. That could have been fixed uh very easily. And and I I do like the the main character and I do like uh Cecil Kellaway as the doctor in this. I think that's a wonderful performance. I think it's the best performance in the Mm -hmm. movie. Paula Raymond then gets kind of relegated to the back. You kind of think she's going to be important. You kind of feel like she's going to be the Sigourney Weaver in Ghostbusters character, but but then she gets, then she gets kind of lost. But but then so does Paul Christian there at the end too. And then it becomes the big spectacle. Again, that's the template of the big monster movie. Then it becomes a spectacle at Mm -hmm. the end for better or for worse. Um, so the humans do get, get kind of overlooked, mm-hmm. uh, but I do like that they're not overusing the monster. So it's a it's a weird. I got a weird relationship with that. Yeah, with that kind of criticism. But uh, Paul Christian is Nesbitt, as I said, and Cecil Kellaway is Doctor Elson. I think Those is were the, yeah I two think, best. Yeah, Elson for sure. I loved him. He he was wonderful. What a wonderful, wonderful childlike uh-huh. wonder. At all of this, mm-hmm. it's a, it was it was a really it was a really good performance. Before we talk about kind of one of the things that surprised me about this, what do you think of the creature itself? What do you think of the Ray Harryhausen effects? Now we're watching a movie that is let's see almost seventy years old. Mm-hmm. Is it how amazing is that? Seventy years old. We yes. have let's see one attack in the beginning. He attacks a ship. Mm-hmm. He attacks a lighthouse. Then he comes ashore and he starts attacking Manhattan. And then we end up at Coney Island. Uh, so really kind of five major set pieces mm-hmm. with the Redosaurus. I think we're pronouncing that right. Is it Redosaurus? Sure. Redosaurus, close. Redosaurus, Redosaurus, it doesn't matter. The, the creature. <laughs> the dinosaur. <laughs> the creature. And um, what, what did you think of the set pieces with the with the creature? Because I'm not going to lie to you. The, the, first, the first one up in the Arctic, mm-hmm. I think it was the one in, no, no, I'm sorry. It was the, uh, the one with the ship. You could tell there was some animation on the water. Okay, and listen, this is a 70-year-old movie. He was inventing this technique as he, as he did this. But other than that, I was sold on this thing. I was. There were moments when there were some, you know, evidence that it, you know, it's not perfect. But there are moments that really stand out to me that are like, whoa, this is... <laughs> yeah. I love the lighthouse scene. The lighthouse scene was amazing. So good. And that comes from the original Bradbury story that was published. Did, did you uh, do any research on it a little bit so harry and bradbury had published a story and mm-hmm. bradbury and harry were friends and the script was not originally titled the beast no. from Twenty Thousand fathoms and he said there's a lot of similarities here because mm-hmm. they had a lighthouse attack in mm-hmm. 
in the script. And he said, and Ray did this thing. So it's not so much that they were adapting Ray Bradbury's story as they wanted the Ray Bradbury title and be able mm-hmm. to put his name right. on it, you know. Right. But uh, the lighthouse scene oh, so is good. amazing. I was so that brings me to like one of my last points here. Mm-hmm. I was surprised at how brutal this movie <laughs> really kind of is. Uh-huh. Like I was surprised at how so it was terrifying when the thing was attacking the ship and and they're uh, splintering wood there on the bridge yeah. of that ship. When the one that surprised me, this was the first time watching me. I think I'd seen bits and pieces of it, but the one that surprised me was when it comes ashore in New York and it just eats the policeman like straight up eats the policeman. And we're talking about influence, you know, and Ray Harryhausen influencing your favorite movies. Well, go look at the Rancor monster in return of the Jedi. That thing that lives under Jabba's uh, uh, throne room, Mm -hmm. the thing that attacks Luke Skywalker and eats that Gamorrean guard. And that's a puppet, Mm -hmm. but it's that same Harryhausen, you know, aesthetic, you know, Look at uh, Attack of the Clones, Star Wars Episode 2, when they're in the arena on uh, Geonosis, when Christopher Lee as Count Dooku has captured our heroes, and they're going to execute them in the arena, and these creatures come out. There's this scorpion creature, the kind of bull-looking lizard thing, and uh, kind of like a, a, a like a weasel rat, I mm-hmm. think, type thing. And I remember, I remember when they all started coming. I remember the first time I saw the film and they came out and I saw the, especially the one, the, uh, the kind of rhinoceros looking bull thing, uh-huh. you know? And I was like, oh my gosh, that's a hairy house. Like, that's <laughs> like Jason and the Argonauts, you know, like that's, that's something out of the old movies. And they uh-huh. kind of intentionally looked like hairy housing creations. Right. And I thought, what a wonderful tribute back to oh, yeah. know, the guy who, who created it. So, created I mean, it. his influence is still being felt today yeah you know and i i i uh i just adore the movies of his that i've seen i've i've I've, I've not seen all of his filmography but i have fond memories i was a child and my uncle showed me jason and the argonauts and the seventh voyage of sinbad in fact sinbad was on television on tcm turner classic movies a few days ago i was flipping and it was on i was like oh man watch it and like (laughs) i mean it's amazing and I can't remember if it's Sinbad or Jason in the Argonauts where you have the skeleton army that, that you know, that mm-hmm. walks and they have the swords. And Sam Raimi, you know, recreated that. I think it was Army of Darkness, you know, famously, yeah. you know. So, I mean, the guy's influence is still very prevalent. And he's yeah. one of those guys, if you like these movies, you really need to know who this guy, mm-hmm. who this guy was. And the fact that he was uh, friends with... Ray Bradbury and Forrest J. Ackerman. Forrest J. Ackerman was writing and editing Famous Monsters of Filmland. And this is the magazine that people like Joe Dante, the director of Gremlins, you know, and, and other many other wonderful uh, things. Matinee is a movie that you and I both really like that Joe oh, did. Yes. It's a wonderful film. If you haven't seen Matinee, please watch was, Matinee. That was actually on the other night, too. Was it? Uh-huh. It's a great movie. And uh, we did an episode on it, but watch, watch Matinee mm-hmm. because it really... Uh, kind of clues you in as to what the uh, 60s, uh, you know, roadshow type pictures in the 60s were because John Goodman's playing the William Castle type character and it's the Cuban Missile Crisis in these movies. We talk about horror movies playing on the fears of the day and here you go. It's an atomic <laughs> film, Mant, <laughs> half man, half ant. It's one, if you haven't seen it, it's a really wonderful gem. If you love horror movies and movie history, it's a film that you just it's absolutely so have to see. 
you you really enjoyed that film, I really didn't did. you? I it was really it's did. It, and it's one of these things. Uh, I, I don't think enough people have seen it, mm-hmm. but. Joe Dante did that movie and Joe Dante was reading famous monsters of Filmland. You know, this was, this was their book, you know? So, mm-hmm. I mean, these three guys, Bradbury, Harryhausen <laughs> and Ackerman all knowing each other, you know, coming up as teenagers because of this shared love of science fiction and horror mm-hmm. and creepy crawlies, you know, and things like that. I, I absolutely adore that. And it's something I, I've been harping on here on the show uh, for a few weeks now that horror is this really communal experience, you know, and these guys shared this experience, this love, mm-hmm. this love of the material, this, this genuine love of this stuff. Because if you look at the Harryhausen stuff, man, this is not just a paycheck player. This is a guy who's yeah. really enjoying, <laughs> enjoying what he's doing. And uh, it's fantastic. But uh, it's a communal experience. And I've said it. The horror community is charitable and the horror horror community is creative. And look at, I mean, look at this. I mean, I think that we've talked about it before. We're going to talk about it again. I think some of the greatest innovations in movies happen because of horror, fantasy, sci-fi and things like this, Mm -hmm. you know, and you make that, that jump, you know, and you're making technical innovations all the time. So Harryhausen becomes better than Willis O'Brien. So then uh, Industrial Light and Magic has to do better than Harryhausen. Stan Winston, you know, so you're constantly making improvements on this. And then you get to the point where uh, I'm not a huge fan of the film, but you get something like James Cameron's Avatar, which is a completely immersive experience. And you don't know what's real, what's not. And, and you know, <laughs> CG right. model. It's amazing. It's an amazing immersive experience, which is what this is about. It's, it's an immersive entertainment experience. Yeah. And these horror things are are communal. So. Absolutely. But uh, I do. I want to stress that again. I'm surprised at how brutal this <laughs> this 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 really. I loved was. him in the city, smashing the car, stepping on the cars, and you know, yeah. smushing it, and just walking through the building. Like, yeah, that was that was such a good. The rampage was yes. just yeah, and going through the wall, you yeah. know, the knocking walls down, knocking buildings down. <laughs> I think the biggest difference between this creature here and like Godzilla is Godzilla. You can at least elicit a little sympathy I with was, Godzilla. I was just thinking King that. Kong, you can definitely oh, there's yeah. definite you know sympathetic uh, vibes with with Kong. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I didn't really feel one way or the other about him. I didn't. I didn't. You know, I wasn't rooting for him, nor was True. I actively rooting against him. I was just kind of more like, okay, well, how's this going to play out? Exactly. You know? I mean, you don't want anything bad to happen to him. He didn't ask to be woken up from his slumber. Not at all. <laughs> but uh, and then I, I do think the movie gets a little convoluted at the end with he's got a, you know, because he's, he's dripping radioactive blood or something <laughs> and he's wounded and they're going to shoot an isotope that's going to kill him. And I was just kind of like, eh, okay. All yeah. Right. It, it, like I feel like there are moments that just, like you said, they pull you in and then they're right. just pushing you back out. It's kind of, right. yeah, it's one of those, it's like tug of war or something, you know? I'm, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to hold it, on. It didn't, and, it didn't upset me though. No, Because it, it I didn't really was me. enjoying it as the time capsule piece oh, yeah. that it is. It's, oh, yeah. It's really, it's really, it really is a good movie. If you, have, if you haven't seen this movie, I really it do really recommend it. It really is a good movie. It. Especially if you like creature features and mm-hmm. if you like big monsters, mm-hmm. if you like, you know, Kaiju Gazuntite. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is a movie I think you would. I think you would all really, really enjoy. And um, I do feel that this is an essential watch. I think this is a movie that you do have to, you have to see this movie. I think so. And um, 
like I said, I had seen pieces of it when, when it, when it got into some of the set pieces, I went, Oh, I saw this. I saw this on Svengoolie. I remember seeing this, you know, years ago on Svengoolie mm-hmm. kind of thing, but uh, I, I didn't see the whole, the whole film. So it was great I to actually it. see it. And it was, it's really a wonderful, wonderful watch, especially really if you like fifties sci-fi movies, if you the like fifties sci-fi black and white movies that make you want to drink coffee and smoke cigarettes. <laughs> I was surprised there wasn't a lot of smoking in this movie. Yeah. I love when they smoke in black and white movies. The smoke looks, smoke looks great. In the black it, and white. it really does it really, actually. So, so that's where I'm at on that. Do you have uh, <laughs> anything you want to add about this? Was there any standouts in the cast? I think you said you liked Cecil Kellaway as Dr. Yeah, Ellison yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. He was, he was my favorite, at least the, the standout performance for me, the one that actually, when, when he was brought into this, you know, this movie, I was like, okay, a character. Actually, okay, I'm I'm grasping to him. You know? Yeah, the score is very good too. Oh, the the, the, really the good. intro, little intro theme is very good. Mm-hmm. Very good. It's uh, really good. So it's 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 a it's a really great movie. It's it's a little disjointed, but it's a great movie, and you can overlook. I was going to say those those moments don't really take away completely for me. It's still a good watch. I think it's still a yeah, good movie. Totally. I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. Well, on that note, we are going to take a very short pause. This is a news break, so be sure to stay tuned for all of the fake news not fit to print. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we'll see you on the other side. gangster Jabba the Hutt is on the lookout for a new pet rancor. Jabba's last rancor monster was destroyed by wannabe Jedi Knight Luke Skywalker, a Tatooine farm boy with delusions of grandeur. If you or anyone you know has a spare rancor, Jabba is willing to pay top dollar. Utilizing a $2.15 billion grant from the United States government, The Cozy Corner Institute of Science and Stuff has determined that Skittles do not, in fact, taste like a rainbow. The Institute goes on to add that while Skittles do not taste like the rainbow, they are indeed delicious. I could have told you that for a lot less money. In weather, temperatures are still hot as balls with an extremely pissy weather front moving in from the north, south, east, and west. The Cozy Corner Weather Center issued a statement to God asking, what have we done to anger him? We'll keep you posted. Finally, we're getting word that there has been a terrible tragedy out at the Sarlacc Pit on the planet Tatooine. Apparently, Jabba the Hutt's sail barge was destroyed by wannabe Jedi Knight Luke Skywalker and his companions Han Solo, Leia Organa, Chewbacca, and Lando Calrissian. That guy is cool. Damn right that guy is cool. Looks like Jabba won't be needing that Rancor after all. So if you have an extra Rancor, enjoy your Rancor. And that is the news. Stay tuned for our final scores and a preview of next week's show. 
Welcome back to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. We're going to wrap up our discussion of The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. Were you surprised at this movie? In a way, possibly. I was surprised at this movie. I was surprised at at how good the special effects are, how good the special effects stand up. What really impressed me was doing the research on the film, how Mm -hmm. influential this film is. And I feel like this film is maybe not as celebrated as the the two that we mentioned tonight, King Kong and Godzilla. And rightfully so, I think. Yeah, but it does seem very underrated. Yeah. I mean, it does. Yeah. I consider this to be an essential watch. I think so. I think it's an absolutely essential watch. And... I I may have offered a few criticisms of the movie tonight, and I think my score is not going to reflect. What's your score? The criticism. I gave it three and a half. Okay. Three and a half uh, magical atomic fire breaths (laughs) in honor of the creature that this this, uh, inspired. Three and a half atomic fire breaths, and I gave it the three and a half because there was enough intrigue in the human story to keep me interested. I did like the through line of the, the, the sane man mm-hmm. in, in the world that won't believe him, you know, right. being a conspiracy theorist, you have to appreciate the Fox molders of the world, right? <laughs> exactly. But, uh, at the end of the day, it's the aesthetic of this film. It's the fifties aesthetic. And it's also the effects courtesy of Mr. Harryhausen. And I think the effects are really good. And just, uh, I think, uh, if I was going straight on film, I'd go two five. Mm-hmm. But because of of what this is and how mm-hmm. it was done, I'm going three five because of its place in history. Yeah, I was gonna go two five, but I gave it a solid three. I feel like I'm with you on the effects. It it it, it takes me to that three, but it's still there's still moments that kind of take me out of it. Yeah. So I just kind of you know knocked a little bit, but. Again, I don't. I don't hate the movie. No, it was it was it was a pretty fun watch for it the was. most part. Pretty fun. Um, it, it drags a bit. Just, it drags just a, little bit. a little bit in just the middle. A bit. But uh, again, I am willing to forgive a multitude mm-hmm. of sins because this is the first movie of its kind, right? And also, then the historical aspect of the atomic creature. Mm-hmm. And again, if if you don't have this movie. You don't get Godzilla the next year, exactly. and Godzilla. My goodness. We did an episode on Godzilla. We have a Godzilla film picked up uh, for this month that we're going to do, the newest Godzilla film out of Japan. But we did the first Godzilla film way, way back when we first started the show. And it's a movie that's on our list of films to revisit because that movie is so incredibly good and so incredibly moving and so incredibly everything that you want in a movie. It's got a great creature. If you like the horror sci-fi, you got that element. If Mm -hmm. you like the human element, you've got that. If you like the historical element, you've got that. And I feel like everything kind of comes together in Godzilla. I feel like it's all been kind of downhill for Godzilla since that first movie because it's so serious. It's, it's kind of like the Elm street series in a way where that first film takes itself very seriously and establishes this world and this character. Mm -hmm. And then you have a lot of fun with him in the sequels, you know, more fun in some sequels than in others, but they're all worthy. They're all worthy of being Mm -hmm. watched. And I've seen a lot of the Godzilla movies, not as much as I would like to, but they do get progressively goofier. A lot like Mm -hmm. the Fred Krueger sequels and a lot like the Jason sequels. You know, when you get past the part four and five, you're kind of, you're getting into self-parody. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's just part of it. But, um, 
but there have been, you know, attempts made to, to make Godzilla more serious. 2014's film was, was one that did that, that attempted to do that. And, uh, 2016's apparently, uh, you know, that won the Shin Godzilla, Shin Godzilla that won the, uh, Japanese Academy Award for best picture, which is the first Godzilla film to ever do that is one I think that has attempted to make it, you know, yeah. you can do it more serious. You can you have fun with it. That's a great thing about these characters. Oh, yeah, Fred Krueger and Jason Voorhees and Chucky all included, all included, all included yeah. in that. So, and at the end of the day, they're just movies. They're just <laughs> movies. That's it. And talking about movies is fun, isn't it? Yes, it's it a is. Pleasure and a privilege to bring this conversation to all of you out there. And before we go any further, I want to thank all of you for tuning in again and letting us drone on for a little while and for the continued support. It means so much to us. And uh, well, with that said, you picked our next movie. I have the next pick here. <laughs> We're starting Big Monster Movie Month off with. Four films. Let's see if I can remember the four films. You we got had it. The Beast from 20,000 <laughs> Fathoms, mm-hmm. uh, 20 Million Miles from Earth, mm-hmm. Jurassic Park, yes. and Shin Godzilla. There you go. Through the magic of reaching into the box and picking the next film out, <laughs> I'd like all the listeners to know we don't have a hat. We say we have a hat. What but we, we have don't is have a actually a, a single cup, like a, a. We have a Java jig box. It's a Java jig box. <laughs> That's what it is. It's fitting. Again, we're you know avid coffee drinkers. We're drinking coffee. It's we don't need a hat. We don't need the hat. We don't need the hat. All right, Faith, it's happening again. Okay, it's happening again. Mm-hmm. So last month when we did Summer Slasher Month, we went in chronological order. <laughs> We started with Jaws, and then we and just every movie was was <laughs> next. All right, so the next film for Big Monster Month is going to be 1957's 20 Million Miles to Earth. This was directed by Nathan H. Duran. It stars William Hopper, Joan Taylor, and Frank Puglia. My new favorite name. Does that not sound like a heavyweight contender, Frank Puglia? It does. Like from the 40s and 50s, right? It really does. Right. All right. So we talked about Ray Harryhausen tonight. Well, guess mm-hmm. what? 20 million miles to Earth. This is from a story by Ray Harryhausen. So I think this one, if I'm not mistaken, has a beast from the planet Venus. Okay. Have, have you seen this one? This is another one. I think I've seen bits and pieces of it. I've, I know I've seen pictures of the creature. It's a wonderful looking creation that we've gotten. And I think it's another stalking and rampaging. So... It's another movie, uh, very well-received, very well-received film. 20 Million Miles to Earth. to Earth. 20 Million Miles to Earth, 1957. I like to put that in my notes so there I can get go. my note page ready. There for, you go. We, we made the joke when we started, wouldn't it be something <laughs> if, if, we, uh, if we went in order like we did yeah. in the previous month? We're and I think, I think there would be something very poetic if we started with the beast from 20,000 fathoms and ended with Godzilla. Yeah. You know, the influence of that film carrying all the way through, yeah. you know, 60 some odd years. Isn't yeah. that, isn't that something? It's crazy. Isn't that something? It's crazy. So before we go, before we wrap up shop here, I mentioned on our summer slasher wrap up show that's available. Now you can check that out. We go through and just kind of give quick recaps of the movies. Uh, we run down the list of kills and the list of uh, <laughs> items used to do the killing in those movies, giving a few awards. Um, right at the end of that show, 
as the music was starting and taking us out, I mentioned that there is a documentary that's available on Showtime right now. It's called Belushi, about the late, great John Belushi. We've actually talked about John a little bit on this show before, uh, here and there. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's available, and it came out last year. It came out in November of 2020, the year that wasn't. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a, I'd like for all of you out there, if you have the opportunity, check this out. If, if you know who he is, you'll love him. If you don't know who he is, you'll fall in love with him as you watch it. And it's a really great portrait of a guy who was with us just for a little while. Mm-hmm. And we're still talking about him. And it's incredible. I think his mark is, is really incredible. But why am I bringing up John Belushi? Why are you bringing well, up John Belushi? There's a good reason I'm bringing up John Belushi. Because John Belushi was going to star in a movie that came out in 1984 called Ghostbusters. And he would have fit in so good. It would have been so... He was going to play the Bill Murray role of Dr. Peter Vinkman that was written for him. Um, It would have been a little different from Mm -hmm. what we got, but I think it would have been wonderful. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, it would have been wonderful. So why am I bringing up Ghostbusters? Well, they just dropped the new trailer for Ghostbusters Afterlife. We don't cover too much news here on the show, so in the future, if the movie's already out, you know, this, Mm -hmm. this this will be obsolete, but... (laughs) think the movie looks pretty good it does and the original cast uh including bill murray we're not sure about rick moranis but uh supposed to be coming back so it looks like a movie that's uh that's gonna meet the uh meet the proper nostalgia requirements with <laughs> by but also do its own thing and uh i think it i think it's gonna be something to keep an eye on we're gonna cover that movie when it comes out yeah i'm actually I, i'm pretty excited for it looks pretty good I think it's a movie that looks like its heart is in the right place. Right. So that's, that's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. And Jason Reitman, the son of Ivan Reitman, the original director is directing it. And uh, like I said, the original cast is making appearances. Dan Aykroyd uh, kind of sort of appears in the new trailer. Annie Potts does appear in the new trailer. And uh, I, I think it's, I think it's going to be interesting. I'm excited to see it, but uh, check out that, check out that Belushi documentary, all of you out there. It's really worth a watch. And, Anytime I think about Ghostbusters, I always think about the fact that there's an alternate universe out there where we have the John Belushi <laughs> version of Ghostbusters. I really, I, I could so see oh, that. Yeah, you can see it. I oh, mean, yeah. obviously. If, with, if with... you've seen enough Belushi <laughs> and, and can, and can kind of disassociate the Bill Murray out of it, you can, oh, you, yeah, you can it's, see it. Yeah. Yeah. He was a talent. He was. He was a real yes. talent and we love him. We love him and we miss him. Yes, he's going to be dead 40 years next year. Oh, wow. Can you believe that? 40 years. Yes. What a talent. Uh, if you've never seen Animal House and the Blues Brothers and his work on Saturday Night Live, you need to check that out. And we're also going to be doing, we're going to be doing Thriller Month in January. We did Thriller Month. Uh, I don't remember when we did that, but uh, we did a Thriller it Month was in January. Last January. Last January, yeah. And uh, yeah. we had a lot of fun with Thriller Month. There's a movie that he and Ackroyd were in called Neighbors that's uh, kind of a black comedy that kind of fits that little bit of that Thriller Month. I think it'd be a fun movie to do on the show. So mm-hmm. we might get to that. Be, be good to do a movie with both of them in it. So uh, really wonderful. But uh, check that out and check out 20 Million Miles to Earth from 1957. That is the next movie up. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you're staying happy, healthy, safe, sane. We hope you're taking your vitamins. If you'd like to reach us, you can do so at late night fright podcast at gmail.com. If you have it in your heart and in your wallet to support us, you can do that. The links are in the show description. Faith and I 
love doing this show. This is always going to be a free show, but every little bit helps. So if you can, if you can mm-hmm. find it, if you have the means to support us and, and would like to do so, we'd, we'd love for you to do that and we would appreciate it. We're not asking you for money. Just saying if you can give it, that'd be great because right. we know times are a little tight for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. So also, um, uh, let's see. What, what, there was one I'm forgetting. Oh yes, uh, if you have it, uh, if you have it in you to give us a five star rating on iTunes, that helps as well, and leave us a review. That'd be be great too. But we'd uh, really, you're doing the best thing you can by listening to us. The numbers, nope. the numbers help us, and the numbers have been really great, and I appreciate it, and Faith appreciates it, and, and it's 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 really flattering. And thank you all so much for that. It's that, flattering, it, it, and it's it's kind of mind blowing, and it's cool. It's it's mind blowing <laughs> sitting in this little room that we're being listened to in Turkey. In Taiwan and Australia and yeah. Canada. To all of you out there, hello. Seriously, hello. hello we, uh, yeah. we appreciate it. And uh, if there's anything you would like for us to do on the show, email us at uh, late night fright podcast at gmail.com. In the words of the late great Don Cornelius, be good to yourself, be good to your neighbor. It feels like it's that time, doesn't it, Faith? Yes, it does. Feels like it's that time. Let's see if we snap our fingers. Will the magic happen? On the count of three. One, two, three. Time to say goodbye. It is time to say goodbye. We have heard the chimes at midnight <laughs> and the music. And the music. <laughs> and the music. Thank you all again for tuning in. We we sincerely appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts. It's, yes. it's flattering. It, it's a pleasure to do this. It's an excuse for us to watch movies. It's an excuse for us to talk about movies. Call up your friends. Watch a movie. Talk about it. The powers that be want to keep us separated. We're not going to let them. Nope. We're not going to let them. Mm-mm. This is how we do it, people. You stand up together, stand strong, and you don't move. There you go. Take us home, Faith. May your coffin be cozy and your sarcophagus warm. May the light of the moon keep you safe from harm. Be you vampire, spook, specter, or beast. Always remember, keep keep your your monster monster on on a leash. leash. 20 million miles to Earth is up next. We will see you on the other side.